Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast presented by Track. I am Scott Allen and I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. Keith, today's going to be a cash career earnings heavy podcast. We're in the the midst of the middle of the summer. The free agency has pretty much died down and now it's more exhibit tens and waivers and whatever else while we are in limbo between the Dame Lillard situation, James Harden situation, if that even, uh, you know, something happens with that. So I figured we'll dive into some, looking at some future cash here. You're going to be on vacation next week, so we won't have a podcast next week at all, which is fine because this is the the, the dead of the summer. So uh, with that being said, how have you been so far over the last uh, week here since we talked? Good, good. I, you know, all recovered from, from the Vegas trip and uh, back on my normal schedule. Uh, everything is set, settled in. This is a good time uh, as we've been posting the offseason recaps. Uh, we've done the Atlantic Division and Pacific Division so far. It's just nice to sit down, take a deep breath and say, all right, what happened? <laughs> you know, where do we stand? What do these rosters look like? Who's on what teams and you know where where is everybody standing financially? And and I think what you've put together for us to talk about today is kind of a cool different sort of look, right? Normally it's so focused on cap space and exceptions and all this. This is like money that's actually like like on the table for, for these guys, like like real dollars, which is is uh you know a lot of fun to get into too. Even if be completely honest, it feels like some of it's like monopoly money because some right. of these numbers don't even feel real. No, absolutely. And and to go off of your uh, recaps, I, I really like how you've done the biggest move and then what teams still need to do, which sort of goes into the, the future cash of knowing how much is allocated to these teams. So let's just dive into this. The future cash that I've pulled out here, I ran a, the metrics of all possible cash that a team could allocate out over the foreseeable future which includes options, it includes if they were non-guaranteed, becoming guaranteed, all of the possible cash that's there. Without me running through the entire list, any at the top that surprise you from a total cash that a team may owe? It's funny. So when I looked at, at this list, my first thought was, all right, Phoenix is going to be near the top. Golden State's going to be near the top, and and they are. Phoenix is is at the very top. But you know, uh, it, it, just to give everybody a sense of how crazy these numbers are, it's seven hundred and eighty million dollars, and so that's three quarters of a billion <laughs> that they have uh, potentially that they they owe people, but not far behind them. And twenty six million or so, I guess is far but not far in terms of uh percentage is minnesota and memphis and then denver and i don't think people would really think of those three teams as being the next three teams <clears throat> with that kind of money committed so that that becomes really really interesting as you look at it and it makes a lot of sense with when you factor in all right well they've got a lot of guys signed a lot of guys signed to big uh, long-term contracts on all those teams you've got extensions and everything else and then portland is there for now we'll see what happens with uh the money they owe to damian lillard but that's your top five phoenix minnesota memphis denver and portland so one pretty big market in phoenix and then pretty small market teams after that which is you know kind of interesting and maybe runs counter to what people would think yeah, absolutely. The small market conversation is is fascinating because we're always focused on the, the large cities and to see these small market teams spending. And a lot of it has been through extensions. I mean, Memphis handed out a ton of extensions over the last two years. Minnesota, they've handed out extensions, but they also made the trade with Rudy Gobert. Uh, but they did the Supermax with Carl Anthony Towns. Denver, I mean, they've locked up all their guys for the foreseeable future, and we'll see where that goes. P- Portland could essentially flip-flop with Miami if that trade ends up happening. <laughs> yeah, um, Where Miami is down at 10th at $523 million for the f- foreseeable future. But, you know, depending on what pieces go out and Lim- Lillard coming in, you know, if Hero goes off that or Duncan Robinson goes off that, that they could shift quite a bit. 
Uh, Atlanta at number six at $596 million. That kind of surprised me at, at first, but then as I thought about it, they have the Hunter uh, extension, the Murray extension, the uh, Trey Young extension. So when I actually started uh, calculating what, what was going into that, I wasn't as surprised. But you're right, a lot of the large market teams are not necessarily at the top, which is, is fascinating for a league which in on the Spot Track podcast yesterday with Mike, you, you even said it. This league is fruitful. It is mm-hmm. super healthy. And, and this goes to show that the amount of money that is being pushed out right now into the future shows that this league is super healthy. Yeah, it really is. It's it's I think the league's in the best shape it's been in in any time that I've followed. You know, the the cap is is only going up every year. I know you and I have kind of scoffed at the NBA's official projection for next season because it's only what about seven and a half, eight percent or whatever it is. And we're like, it's gonna be the full ten. If this past year was the full ten, this next year will probably be the full ten. And then we know the years after that are likely to be the full ten because we're gonna have the new media rights coming in. And and why I say the full ten, they capped the growth at ten percent. So so those those are the things we know there. And then you know, we're just hearing, you know, teams are making more money uh through ticket sales and merchandise sales and all that stuff. I mean and I, I, I can point to it firsthand I was in Las Vegas and the first three days of summer league were sellouts and that's summer league like that's you know just absolute bonkers and like when in this wasn't uh fake sellouts either this was like the 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 place was packed and it was packed full and and it, it was pretty cool but thinking back to to our list here and how you know it's a lot of these smaller market teams I think what this shows is one the health like we just talked about but also for these teams, when you're Minnesota, when you get an Anthony Edwards, you keep him. When you're Memphis and you have John Moran, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr., you do what you have to do to keep him. Denver, you know, sign everybody, right? Keep, keep that team together and they go win, win, a, win a championship. It's also at the top of this list. Uh, I mean, all these teams are good teams, right? There, there's not a, a bad team in this mix. I guess Portland is probably the one that's fallen on the hardest times recently. And that's been somewhat by self-design here. So that that's, you know, also interesting too, you know, as you go through the top 10, they're all kind of playoff teams and teams that have been either in the playoffs or around the playoff picture. And then the worst teams, they're all at the very bottom. So you've got Orlando and this is how wide the disparity is. Phoenix, 780 million, Orlando, 280 million. So it's a wide disparity there, but when you look at Orlando's cap sheet, it's a whole bunch of guys on rookie scale deals, which are you know still even in the new CBA and even if they bump those up, uh, those are still the best bargains in the league. They're, those are you know great contracts. They're they're uh, you know capped at at an amount. Um, they are I guess not capped, but they're, they're set at a scale amount. And you know that that that's you know if you get a bunch of guys on those, you're doing pretty good. And that's San Antonio's in that boat, Detroit's in that boat, as those teams are more near the bottom. So it really is kind of kind of interesting. And it's not, you know, that they're not intentionally spending. They're just money is all tied up and roster spots are tied up in guys who are still on their rookie scale contracts. So it's really kind of fascinating to look at it in this view because it's not something we generally look at. We more tend to take it by year by year. And do they have cap space? Do they not have cap space? But when you look at this and the money committed long-term, it gives you a better picture of, all right, how locked into this roster are these teams? Yeah, absolutely. And and it goes to show that, you know, which teams have truly done sort of a reset from a roster and financial standpoint. Phoenix, they're not on a reset, obviously, with all the moves that they've done. And they're spending to not reset. They're all in right now. But like I said, Orlando, San Antonio, Toronto – being at the bottom, there you can tell just from a financial standpoint they're at a reset. But then if you go a little bit higher up, you've got Utah at twenty six, Brooklyn twenty five, Philly twenty four, Clippers twenty three, uh, Boston twenty two, Lakers twenty one. Now I went all the way up to the Lakers there because those are big names with big team or big players on them, but they're towards the bottom. So. It's it's opposite of 
the very bottom where a team is sort of resetting, those are teams that are big names, but they have a lot of money coming off the books over the foreseeable future. So those are teams that A, are most likely going to spend, make trades, do whatever they can to fill in their roster. And like we've talked about with the, the Lakers, you know, they almost could have had a clean cap sheet going into however yeah. they structured this offseason. But now in the foreseeable future, they have stuff locked in with Reeves and Hachimura and et cetera. But it, it's really fascinating to look at it from this this view because you can really see and sort of project what teams are going to have to make moves or going to make moves or are resetting. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see the Lakers, the Celtics, the Clippers, the, the 76ers, because they're, they're in the conversation now. Boston, they may catapult up into the top 15 if they sign this Jalen Brown extension. Mm-hmm. I, I know you talked about that yesterday, and we've talked about it before, so I won't go down that road again. But again, the Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, Philadelphia with James Harden, and you know, indeed, if he's even long for that roster. So it's really fascinating to see uh, – this outlook and having those big names with those resetting teams at the bottom there. Yeah. And I think it's also it's kind of fun to look at how quickly it can flip the Brooklyn Nets only a year ago would have been, they, they were not up in the Phoenix, you know, uh, territory of 700, but they would have been up in probably the top five, six area because they would add Kevin Durant on the books for a lot of money going forward. You would add Kyrie Irving, um, you know, there, but now they've re- reset that roster and that they're, you know, building around younger guys and guys on more value contracts and a, you know, good chunk of their 369 committed million is still to Ben Simmons. And we'll see what happens with that. Philadelphia, it's that, that money, a lot of that money is Joel Embiid and his, his extension that he's on because they don't have a lot of long-term money after this year on the books. They've got very little there, the Clippers, similar boat where a lot of their bigger contracts, they're running out in a year or two here. So that's that's kind of you know fun fun to watch. And the Lakers, their spot is it's it's all right now. AD and LeBron are their only two you know, mega salaries on the books, and though those will you know uh, either right now they're set to come off in a couple years, and we'll see where where that'll go. So this is it's always you know fun to to look at. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, they've got a ton of money committed right now. Like, like I know we're going to talk about tax bills and all that. And the Clippers tax bill is is ridiculous uh, coming up. But if they really wanted to, that's like a one or two year issue for them. Now, it probably won't be. They're going to do everything they can to uh, either maintain the guys they have or flip them into other high salaried players or whatever. They, they show no signs of slowing down. Uh, with their spending, but but it is kind of interesting how quickly these things can flip, especially with the Nets, I think, are like a poster child of that. Even Utah, uh, to a large extent, because Utah would have been way up this list if they still had Mitchell and Gobert, and you know, here we are a year later uh, where they don't have them, and they're you know down in that range where, it's again, a lot of guys on rookie vet, uh, contracts or veterans who are on a very fair value type deal, so... Uh, it is a fun look at the you know overall uh, committed you know pot here just because of you know the the sense of wow this is how quickly this can change and where these teams may be going down the line. Yeah, and from a quickly changing standpoint, you know, two teams that I thought for sure were going to be at the bottom, and then as I thought about it, I was like, oh, they they did spend this off season with extensions or free agents. Houston and Charlotte, they're right dead middle with yeah. Milwaukee, Oklahoma City. Dallas, um, Indiana Pacers are at 17 there. Uh, but it, like I said, it can change on a dime based off of a trade, which is why we made the reference with Dame Willard in Miami. It could easily flip very quickly. So this is a completely fluid situation and just a snapshot in time. But the fact that Houston and Charlotte and Oklahoma City, they're up in the middle with some of the bigger spenders because they're not at the dead bottom shows that, you know, their roster is could be healthy for the long run. They're not potentially overpaying uh, in that long run, but they're, they're at least spending, and we'll see where that gets them. Because you know, just because they're 
their spending doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get to the playoffs <laughs> and win championships. Yeah. However, with that being said, it, it, it shows that those teams are looking forward. They like their roster for the most part. They're, they, they, Houston would have been going into this free agent offseason probably dead bottom because of all the rookie scales yeah. like Orlando. Um, but they have the space. They brought in guys, and we'll see if it, it gels. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see how a team could go from the bottom to the top because of having that cap space and having to spend. And that's the other thing. Uh, you know, These teams have to spend now because otherwise they lose out on the distribution. They have some penalties now if they don't get to the floor. Mm-hmm. So it, it, the total amount for all 30 teams is $14.5 billion <laughs> from now and forward, which is just mind-blowing. However... If I run this again next year, I bet you it's even higher than 14 and a half because the cap's going up. Mm -hmm. Cap's going to continue to go up, which means maximum salaries are going to go up, which means minimums go up, all of that. So we may get close to 15 billion for the next foreseeable future if I ran this again next year. So it's just fascinating to see uh, just where teams are, how fluid things are going to be because of a one trade could drop a team from high to low. So I, 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 I'm glad we did this because it, it spurred more conversation than I potentially anticipated. And um, it's just fun to look at. So maybe, maybe after the trade deadline or something, I'll run this again, just to see where teams are after the fact. Yeah. Cause that's going to be our next big window for things to kind of flip. Obviously. Yeah. Damian Lillard, James Harden, those could change things a little bit here or Lillard's case probably quite a bit but yeah I I think you know trade deadline that's our big next uh, major transaction movement window so yeah it will be fun to to relook at this I also think it's funny you know when we think about when you just said it's you know 14 and a half billion dollars and you know potentially committed money all the way out for all 30 teams and then you're talking and the loose figure that's been thrown around for these expansion teams, which expansion is coming. It's definitely coming uh, to, to the NBA. That's like the worst kept secret in the world, but it's, it's, you're hearing, you know, three and a half, $4 billion to buy in. Now that's not necessarily the value of what those two teams will be, but they have to pay a premium to buy in because essentially what you got to pay is the other 30 ownership groups uh, to split the pie 32 ways because they're, they're you know that, that's what that's a big chunk of your expansion fee so so that's going to be interesting to see you know how that all uh comes together but this is just a sign of you know this league it's in great shape and you know go, going forward now i i think it's funny too you mentioned um teams have to spend and i'll just add this as an aside as i know we're going to kind of flip to a uh a single uh this single season type topic Every single team, all 30 teams, already above the salary floor. And they, they essentially were by the end of uh, you know the bulk of free agency a week or so ago. So that tells you the new CBA uh, telling teams, hey, you got to spend. It, it had that impact that they wanted. Now, we'll see if in future years, do you see a team say, eh, you know, let's hang out. You know, maybe you know, we'll, we'll find a way to spend in August if we need to or September. Uh, before we have to hit the floor at the start of the regular season in October, uh, you may see a team say, you know, it would have been nice to be sitting on 20 million in cap space and be the third team in to help along a Harden trade or a Lillard trade or whatever. We'll see if anybody adjusts, but for at least this single season, all 30 teams are, are there already. We don't have a Spurs and a Pacers sitting there hanging out, sitting on tens of millions in cap space. Uh, they, they, they've all you used it all up. I mean, there, there's a little bit of cap space left, but it's like like Utah has a comically small amount. It's like, like $40,000, which I always kind of laugh, and I'm like, you couldn't have just thrown that into one of the contracts you signed and you know, got to zero. That That's kind of always that, – that's just me. I, I always want somebody to be at zero, right? Like, let's just get there um, with that. But, uh, yeah, they, they've got a little – Indiana's got a, got a little bit. There's a couple teams that could create 
uh, Charlotte, because they're still sitting on big cap holds for guys like PJ Washington and Kelly Oubre. And we'll see what happens with those situations. But uh, right now it's we're, we're done. Like the free agency portion of, of the summer is, is finished. Anybody else who's signing now, maybe a couple guys will get a chunk of an exception. Maybe there could be a sign and trade in there or two, but for the most part, we're, we're, we're finished and wrapped up with this free agency thing. All right, let's transition to current tax bill outlook because this is in just as fluid as the conversation we just had with cash because of trades and signings and waivers. But as of right now, since most of the league is uh, on a standstill outside of exhibit tens and nines, which aren't going to count towards their tax mm-hmm. bill, you know, I, I took a snapshot here just to see where teams are currently. Obviously, Golden State is at the top with how their roster is. <laughs> Their, their tax bill as of today would be $180.6 million that they would have to pay on top of the already salaries that they have to, their taxable salaries that they have to pay. Uh, the Clippers are coming in at second. Oh, let me re- back up one second. Golden State is a repeater, so that is why they are also as high as they are. The Clippers are at second with a hundred. Scott, can I get, can I give a, a just a moment of context to, sure. to that a little Absolutely. bit there? So the Indiana Pacers and like Detroit Pistons, who are two teams that are um, they're like hovering right at the tax line or at the cap line rather. <clears throat> Those two teams' team salaries are about one hundred and thirty-five million. So, context in that the Warriors' tax bill is more than what the, and this is just taxes. This is not taxes plus the salary that they owe on top is more than what the, um, the uh, Pacers and, and uh, uh, Pistons. And there's probably a bunch of teams, the jazz, I assume magic, a handful of these teams that are the lower salary teams, even though they're above the floor and they're right at the cap. That's what it is. So the caps are 136 million, the Warriors tax bill alone, is 180 million. So that gives, I just think, a little bit of context to just how expensive that Warriors team still continues to be. Yeah, that, that's a great context. And when I dropped in the uh, first round pick signing for the Warriors, I think for every dollar they were over, it was equivalent to like seven or eight or nine yeah. uh, million dollars. Uh, so it, it was it's substantial for every roster acquisition that they add, even at the minimum salary, that team is going to be continue to pay up and up and up. I, they're at 13 right now. So they have two roster spots left. Um, and, and uh, Jackson Davis, his value, his tax is being counted. His cap is not right now. So he is included. So there's two more spots that could go. So that could get close to uh, 200 million as a tax bill. If they add on some players there. Uh, and, like, and that's to, to just reemphasize what you said. That's adding guys on at the minimum because that's all they can do under the new CBA and the new rules. They can't sign anybody except for minimum guys. Now they signed their draft picks. Obviously their first rounder, Brandon Pajemski uh, got signed to his rookie scale deal. And then uh, Trace Jackson Davis signed his contract uh, as a second rounder, but everybody else it's, these are all minimum deals. So Corey Joseph, uh, Dario Saric, and then whoever they fill out the roster with. But to your point, those $2 million minimum veteran minimum deals, because I'm going to assume there'll be veteran guys that they sign, those are going to count each for what? Probably somewhere in the range of $10 million a piece you know, or more. So, yeah, so you're absolutely right. Twenty. That's going to be $20 more million that gets added on. And I just looked at it. So let's say we take two two more minimum deals and put it on there. They're sitting at about two hundred and seven in total salary. So let's call that two hundred. Let's just call it two hundred and ten for the sake of rounding it off. And then you're going to basically double that with what they're going to pay out uh, in tax bills. So they're going to be you know, potentially that's a four hundred million dollar outlay for the Warriors in you know one, one season uh, worth. Is that that's what they're actually going to be paying? Uh, to to have this team together, which is just you know that's that starts to get to you know bonkers level territory, but you're seeing why the new CBA wanted to restrict these things and push these down. What you're not seeing in there is there's no Dante DiVincenzo signing this year for the taxpayer mid level because they're not allowed to do that any longer. It's 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 minimum guys and that's it for them and their draft picks. 
Yeah, so I quickly added in uh, while you were talking there just to see where where these guys were going to line up. They, they're going to be pushing close to, if they do just minimums for their last two, they're going to be pushing around $220 million. Yeah, crazy. So it's crazy, absolutely. <laughs> in, in and taxes, in taxes right. only. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and Then add 200 in actual salary on top of that. So, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, Clippers are 108.9, but the team that is okay right now, but in the future could look just as bad as the Golden State Warriors, as the Phoenix Suns. They're at 47.7 right now because they have top heavy and then a bunch of minimums, whereas Golden State, they're really dispersed with high, middle, and low uh, for the most part. So uh, Phoenix could be up there, especially when the new – tax rules come into play yep. and it could be even more restrictive as far as, you know, the threshold. So. And when uh, Phoenix starts tripping the repeater uh, down, down right. the line, which is still, you know, a good, good bit down the line for them, but it is coming. Uh, and they, they haven't gotten there. That's what really, you know, pushes the Warriors and Clippers uh, so far up is that, you know, really punitive repeater tax. Yeah. Yeah. Phoenix repeater wouldn't kick in until 25, 26, if they continue to stay, above the tax right now. And so. who knows by then, right? right. The, you, you may see, you know, the rebalancing of the roster, guys retire or well, whatever. But yeah, they're, they're still project to be pretty, pretty expensive. Miami comes in at fourth, 24 million right now. Uh, again, that is a massively fluid situation because of Dame coming in that could, and, and whatever piece is going out. So that's a massive asterisk on that team. Boston's at 20, almost 22 million dollar tax bill as of right now and again that is going to be fluid upon if they make any moves Jalen Brown extension wouldn't have any effect on this year's tax Mm -hmm. bill but in the future that definitely would if he's still on that roster Uh, Milwaukee looks like I sorted this incorrectly that's my fault Milwaukee's at 33.8 so they would have been fifth Um, I'm not surprised by Milwaukee being on there uh, with having paid and, and running it back again. And yep, then you got resigning Den- Middleton and Lopez. Yep. Yeah. That, yep. And then the rounded off, you have Denver, which again, we just talked about how much money that they're paying in the future. And, and currently not surprised that are on here, Philly on here. And then squeaking into it, New Orleans Pelicans coming in at the bottom at 4.4. They're just above the tax line. Um, so, that is a team that could potentially drop below the tax, but I, I don't foresee them uh, going below the tax. With what's yeah, on their Actually, roster, I think they will. You, um, you do? Okay. <clears throat> yeah, they are trying really hard to trade Kira Lewis uh, or Ky- Kyra Lewis. Um, the $5.7 million, that would get them out of the tax. And then they could – I think they'd have enough wiggle room to do a couple uh, minimum contracts and move forward from, from there. So they, they, that's that's what they're they're attempting to do is find a place. Now the challenge is uh, you have two things that are going on is again, I mentioned it before, nobody's sitting on the mountain of cap space uh, to just eat that deal. Normally you'd say, Oh, 5.7 million. Here's a second round pick. Thank you. San Antonio Spurs. And you move about your, your business that doesn't exist. So now what you're looking for is all right, who has an exception? Cause, cause it's important to know New Orleans wants to trade him without taking any money back. They, they want to trade Lewis out, not take any money back. And what's so now what happens for the Pelicans is can we find a place that has a roster spot to take him in? And that's that that'll happen. It'll it'll happen down the line at some point. You know, somebody will, you know, wave a guy or two and a trade exception will be there and they'll find someone. And it's important to note with the tax too, they don't need to get out of it today. They they have all the way until the end of the season, really to the trade deadline. Because after the trade deadline, you, you can't make can't make uh, meaningful moves anymore. So that they, they will, you know, push and, and get there uh, where they need to get there. But but yeah, they they're, they I feel very very confident the Pelicans will not be a tax team when all is said and done. Uh, you, made, the end of the year. you make a great point with the cap space situation. It didn't hit me until you were just talking about it right there. That that's going to drastically affect the trade salary dumping situation that we mm-hmm. always see where we're just going to send this guy to you and you can absorb him with your, your, your cap space that you still have left. That's 
pretty much a moot point at this point, yeah. at, at this juncture and moving forward because teams now have to spend before the regular season starts. So that is something, an, an, an implication of this new CBA that uh, teams may have to look even more further or even like a, a pre-agency type thing where we want to dump you now so that that team can wave you in that offseason. We don't have to deal with it. Um, so that's a massive implication that we're not going to have in February where we see, you know, a Carmelo Anthony getting dumped to Atlanta and then getting waived or anything like that. Yeah, that's definitely not going to exist anymore. Yeah, those those teams are not there and those teams won't be there uh, going forward. That is not just the uniqueness of where we're sitting right now. That That's just the new world uh, that we're in because these teams are in a spot where they, they, they can no longer sit on that kind of uh, – extra space everybody has to be at the floor at the start of the regular season and if you're not at the salary floor they're going to put a cap hold on your books because that's what they don't want is right those teams sitting there because if you think about if the nba if you're going to punish the warriors and the clippers and those teams at the top and say no you can't sign guys to the non-taxpayer mid-level for five six million dollars those guys need to go somewhere. And what they didn't want to have was, all right, now we've got, we've punished the teams at the top who can't sign those guys. Then we've got two, three, four teams at the bottom of the salary list who are sitting on, you know, between 10 and $30 million in cap space and with no real reason or intention to use it. So then what ends up happening is we get into the, uh, the season and now all of a sudden these good players who would have signed with a good team are like well i guess i'll take a minimum with you know this you know playoff team just so that i'm on a roster and i have a contract uh because those other teams that are at the bottom don't want to sign them so so they they've, they've squeezed it right they squeezed on the top they squeezed on the bottom in order to make sure guys get paid in the middle and and i think it's for year one of it it's worked out you know now we're gonna see I, again i think we're gonna see some teams maybe next year and in the future years be like, all right, you know what? We don't need to get to the floor until till the middle of October when the season's starting. So if we're still sitting on, you know, some cap space in July, August, September, we can be that third team in and say, Oh, Hey, you're looking to get out of the tax. Let us help you. We just, you got, you're going to have to do it now uh, before the season versus doing it in January and February. We go back to the Pelicans just because I think it may jump out to folks is like, wait, the Pelicans, how are they a tax team? Well, what you got to remember is Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum are both on $30 million deals. Then you have Zion's extension kicks in this year at $34 million plus. So now you're already way up there. This team also, Herb Jones, who could have been on a you know, $1.8 million deal, they, they bounced him out early, declined his team option to get him re-signed a year earlier than really than they needed to. And they're bringing him back now at $12 million. So you start to add all those things up, and then you get a bunch of mid-range contracts. Guys like uh, Valanciunas at fifteen million, Larry Nance Jr. at ten point four million. You start adding all those uh, those up with the fact that Williamson and Jones are now on bigger numbers, and that's how you get to a team that's dancing around the tax line. But I, like I said before, I think you will see them uh, get get out of the tax eventually. Real quick before we transition. Teams that are close to the luxury tax line but are not over it yet. Los Angeles Lakers, they have about $2.5 million in space. Cleveland Cavaliers, $2.7 million in space. And then Dallas Mavericks and the Minnesota Timberwolves are at $4.1 million in space. Um, so those are teams that could jump over if they make some an acquisition or two. You know, a veteran, uh, two, two veteran at yeah. the two two years experience level, that's going to put them over into the tax. So you know if if the, those teams feel that they need to, and they do have space, they only have uh, thirteen. Lakers and Cavaliers have thirteen, and Mavericks and Timberwolves, and they only have one roster spot open on the active roster. So you know, again, it, it's a fluid situation, and one trade could change things quite drastically, but. It, at least from a snapshot, it's it, it's interesting to take a look at now um, as we get closer to the regular season. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, changing over to current cash earned. I, I took a look at the last five years from 2018 to 2022, and I wanted to just look at 
now plus the next five years, just to compare how, how players have been paid within a five-year span from, from this point here. Leading up from 2018 to 2022, the top three players that earned the most were Stephen Curry at $212 million, LeBron James at almost $198 million, and Paul George at $178 million. Uh, outside of those top three, I, I did the top 10 here, Keith. Any surprises that stuck out? Yeah, there were no real surprises there. It was all the names I expected to see. I think what's interesting is folks might be like, why is Curry so far ahead? Well, Curry never changed teams, right? He, he stayed with his team, so he was always eligible to get the, the most he possibly could, where uh, James and uh, Paul George both did change teams. So uh, when, when you sign with a team as free agency, you're, you're, you're limited in what you can get to, to some extent. Uh, more on the raise side than it is the single season salary. So nobody really jumped out there. It's all, all the stars that you would be be expecting to be in there. Now, there's a couple guys, as you look at it, where it's like, wow, you know, Clay Thompson, $163 million, but missed a lot of time in that time period. Kawhi Leonard, $167 million, has missed a lot of time, but that's just that that's how it goes sometimes, but it, it's more where it gets far more interesting to me is, all right. So we're at, you know, this, this range of guys here, what does it look like now moving forward? Cause right. it's like, Holy cow. It is. And this is, spot. this is why I did it the way I did. Uh, yeah. That's because it, it, it really shows how much the cap and everything affects moving forward. So, um, you know, to, to round off, let me list off the rest here, and then I'll do the 23-plus. So, as I said, Curry, James, and George were top three, and then Chris Paul, Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, Durant, like you said, Clay Thompson, then Russell Westbrook, and Giannis rounded off the top ten. Now, we go to 2023 plus five years. Then we're jumping from <laughs> $276 million with uh, Nikola Jokic, all the way down to the tenth is Demonis Sabonis at two hundred and three million dollars. So over the next five years, as of right now, because obviously that's super fluid with extensions and whatnot that could come out, um, it, massive jump from the previous five years. I mean, we're all in the two hundreds moving forward, whereas in the last five years there was only one player that exceeded the two hundred million dollars. Uh, so the, the top five in the next uh, five years are Nicole Jokic, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Halliburton, Bradley Beal, Demonis Sabonis. Uh, so that's your list. You have a mix of rookie scale extensions, <laughs> yep. super extension, su- uh, super max extensions for veterans. Um, you have a Bradley Beal, which was a free agent signing uh, at a max. So you've got a, a mix of a lot. But I think the, the big thing to take away is the next five years, all top 10 are all 200 million plus. And the reality is where a year from this turning into the top guy in this list is going to be 300 million, right? Jalen Brown's extension, if he does end up signing it, he's going to be really close, right? You're going to see him him end up really close to a $300 million player, if not ultimately top that number. And, you know, that's just going to be where we're going. You know, we're, we're, it's when you look at what the number can be in the final year of some of these new contracts, we're talking 70 million. We're not far off from our first hundred million dollar player in the league. That's just you know, where it's going. And I know people get, you know, all up in arms and this is, I'm going to repeat this until I'm blue in the face. This is why we made on the site a very conscious choice to put percentage of cap on every single salary because it just gives you a picture of, you know, okay, all right, it it doesn't look as crazy because you do get sticker shock when you see that first number. You're like, oh, my God, you know, what is this? But then when you're like, oh, all right, well, you know, it's the same as what it it's the same percent of the cap as it would have been five years ago, a decade ago, whatever it is, it's just everything is going up. It gives you a real sense. I thought what's neat in this list is, as you called out, you do have some guys on here, you know, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton. These are all on their rookie scale 
uh, extensions plus what they're making off their original deal. So a lot of money tied up in young guys. And though most of the other guys are veterans, but a lot of extensions, obviously that's always almost always going to offer you the most money uh, moving forward. But then you've got guys like Bradley Beal, as you said, he hit free agency and cashed in on the big, you know, mega supermax deal. And then the guy at the bottom of the list, Demonis Sabonis, that was a renegotiation and extension into essentially a max deal, which is, is a cool process as well. And that's something, um, you know, I'm going to write probably after vacation uh, a little bit about the Kings off season, just because I think it was fascinating how they put everything together uh, in a way we haven't seen teams really do before. They ran it back, put in a, but ran it back using cap space, which are two things that just, they don't work together. Right. It seems like that should not be a thing. And then yet there they were. And now that's, you know, to me is, is, is going to be fun. So I'm going to really break that down in detail later uh, the, this, this summer uh, with that. But yeah, it's, it just shows, you know, like the teams, no one way to build a team. There's no one way to pay a player, but you know, if the players are good enough, they're, they're always going to find their way to, I used to say, find their way to a hundred million. I guess I need to change that to 200 or 300 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. Career earnings. I took a look and I have like four asterisks after this, because obviously this is one of the most fluid uh, things that we're going to talk about outside of everything else. I did career earnings through 2028 and I went out five years just to see where the landscape would be as of right now, who would be the top earners. And uh, I also looked at playoff appearances or finals or champions and to no surprise LeBron James is at 530 million dollars if he continues to play um, out this contract and then that could go up even more if he ends up being you know playing further to be able to play with his son that's TBD obviously followed up by Kevin Durant at 499 Steph Curry at 470 Damian Lillard Four almost 450, and then Bradley Beal, Jokic, Paul, Carl Anthony Towns, Booker, and Embiid round off the top 10, where Embiid's at 380. And again, tons of asterisks on this because I know it's such a fluid, someone could get a, a wave or, or you know, they can still sign extensions or, or go to free agency. But what I found most interesting was when I looked at playoff history. So of the top 10 in career earnings here, LeBron, Durant, Curry, and Jokic all have at least one championship. So four of the top 10 career earnings, quote unquote, through 28, you know, four, they have championships. Uh, Anything stick out for you, Keith, as you look at this list? Yeah, it's, I'm glad you put that context in there around the, um, the team success with this because it, it does tell kind of a fun story on this one. Cause you look at, all right, LeBron one, he's played for 20 years. So, you know, he's going to be up there anyway, but for championships, he's generally delivered Durant Curry. Those guys have delivered. Jokic is a, a newer addition to this. Cause with his extension is really what pushes him in there, but delivered and got a title. What's interesting is to me, Bradley Beal, Carl yep. Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid. Yep. Those guys have never even made a conference finals. Well, and, and they're and, on this list. And Bradley Beal, uh, I forget which one. Uh, might have been Towns. They haven't even made it out of the first round. Yeah. Embiid, they've made it to the second round and, and nothing else. I think else. it's Towns they, hasn't made it out of the first round. I think Beal did yeah. it once yeah, I think, uh, with the Wizards. But, but it, regardless, they haven't even made it very deep into the playoffs mm-hmm. with how much money that they've A, made and are going to make in the future. Now, Bradley Beal, having been traded to the Phoenix Suns, that could be a massively TBD because they could yeah. potentially just run through the league and might see him in a conference finals this year. So this could be a moot point in nine months, but – up until this point, he has not done very much in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. So that that part was just you know kind of interesting. Even Damian Lillard, you know, one of the highest paid current players, won conference finals. But I guess what really jumps out to me is when I look at it, you know, when you look at LeBron, and this is just his NBA 
salary earnings, right? Like there's obviously no endorsements on here and all that other stuff Mm -hmm. that comes. He's made a half a billion dollars, you know, just off of his, his NBA career earnings. And, and a lot of these guys, you know, they openly will say, especially when you get to this level, they don't really do a whole lot with their NBA earnings. They tend to live off their endorsements more than, than anything else. And they just kind of, you know, bank all the rest of that away. And it's, this kind of tells the story of, yeah, no wonder why LeBron's, you know, mentioned as a potential owner of a team someday, right? Like, like, of course, you know, it makes sense. You know, he's probably got, you know, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's double, if not triple this in his, uh, you know, in, in his endorsements on these things. I think the other thing that just stands out and it's just the way of the world with all things, right? The basketball is our context here, but it's really in almost anything is, you know, I got to wonder, you know, what guy, the guys I grew up, you know, watching play, you know, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. I mean, I remember when Magic Johnson signed, you know, I think it was 10 years, 10 million. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that's insane. You know, I, I remember when Roger Clemens in, on baseball was signing, you know, a $10 million contract. And everybody's like, this is, you know, insanity that, you know, we're paying anybody this. And, you know, here we are with guys, you know, approaching, you know, half a billion dollars in career earnings. I just kind of wonder what those other guys are like, man, if I could have been born, you know, just 10, 15 years later, you know, I, I might be in this spot, but it, it is, you know, it, it is quite the list, you know, here as you look at it and how, how, you know, the names that pop on it. Yeah. And, as we've talked about the cap going up, maximum salaries going up, the which means extensions and supermax extensions and all of those are going to go up. It, it, I wonder how long LeBron James being at the top is going to last because, like you said, yeah, we're we're going to be on the cusp of two hundred and fifty to three hundred million dollars for five years, which is going to catapult some of these players up even quicker than it has in the past. So it's going to be super interesting, which is why if you go to spot track and you go to career earnings, you can toggle back and see through 2020, through 2021, and progressively go through and see how it changes over the over the lifespan of the NBA uh, that we have, which is why I'm able to go through 2028 to see where these players are currently based on current contracts you know, some of these extensions when they hit in and then, you know, if someone follows the path of Steph Curry, for example, Steph mm-hmm. Curry is at 470 right now. But if they're able to jump on top and get a super max and then get another extension, and keep in mind, Steph's original rookie scale extension was four for 44 yeah. million. So that's not even getting the super max out of the gate in the second contract. So, yep. you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how much the career earnings changes in the next five years because of how much money is going to be pumped into these players, these contracts and, and, and so forth. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it just in the money that's owed moving forward. We've got three guys who did Edwards ball and uh, Halliburton who the bulk of that is rookie scale extensions for them. If those guys hold up and we get into the, um, you know, third contract for them, and they're still you know great players. Those are going to be you know three hundred million dollar contracts probably. Uh, you know, four or five years from now, and now you're talking they're already going to have topped what LeBron made, and this is you know we're talking guys that are you know right now only going into their fourth season in the league, but you can already project, and that's just you know where things are going, and then right, and then as I mentioned, you know what. Larry Bird, Maddie Johnson, those guys, you know, is LeBron going to be sitting around saying, man, if I could have been born, you know, 15 years later, I could have been you know, making this money. Like, it's just, it's just how these things go. But yeah, it really is, you know, crazy when you look at, you know, what this, this stuff is. And with LeBron, again, I go back to, this is why you're hearing, you know, LeBron might buy a team and it's not, LeBron might be an investor in a team, which is often, you know, it's like a 2% state that they get like no he may be like michael jordan and like like legit own and you know run a team and may be able to do that you know just with where he's he's uh you know what he's done in his career so far as far as making money so you know that 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 you know really is something for context i pulled up my spreadsheet 
2028-29, we're estimating about a 207.9 million cap right now. A five-year, 35% max contract at 8% raises would be five years for $422 million. <laughs> so as yeah. I said, some of these could be blown out of the water. And we may be even closer to three-quarters of a billion up to a billion yeah. by when all is said and done because of how massive uh, these contracts are going to be. We'll see. Yeah, without a doubt. (laughs) All right, let's finish off with, uh, you wanted to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder and their roster uh, outlook. I know you touched upon it a bit yesterday uh, on the Spotrack podcast with Mike. And we had a Rudy Gay waiver but uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So you brought this to the table. So I'm going (laughs) to let you have at it on whatever you want to talk about because this team is – fascinating with where they're going to go, what they need to do. So the floor is yours. Yeah. And and the thing is with the thunder, you know, everybody right now in the league is got their eyes on what's going to happen with Damian Lillard. What's going to happen with James Harden, maybe Pascal Siakam, but talking with a couple teams yesterday, one of the things they're looking at is if we go to the other end of, of the spectrum is what's going on with the thunder and why I bring this up. So, in the new CBA, uh, they increased roster sizes in the offseason up to 21. It was 20, but when they added the third two-way spot, they didn't just take that out of the regular roster spots. They said, hey, you want to bring 21 guys to training camp? You don't have 21 on the roster? Fine. No issue with that. And let me preface this by saying this is no in no way a criticism of the Thunder and what they've done or any of that stuff. Um, this is just more of an observational type of thing based on my own stuff and conversations I've had with folks in the league. So the Thunder, prior to the Rudy Gay waiver, which happened last night, they were at tw- they were at the offseason maximum of 21 players. They have 20 players on standard contracts, and then they had one player on a two-way contract. Two-way contracts count. That seems to be a misconception out there. Some folks think they don't count towards this number. They absolutely do. So, and this was without the reported signing of Jack White uh, from the Denver Nuggets. They didn't have an ability to put him on the roster yet because they're at uh, 21 guys. So now Rudy Gay has been waived. So now they've freed up one roster spot. So presumably they can sign Jack White, do whatever it is they want to do with him, um, or they you know, could go another direction, but where it gets in really interesting because by the time we get to training camp, almost every team will be at 21 players uh, because basically everybody brings guys in, but you mentioned it before their exhibit 10 contracts, contracts that don't count towards the cap or the tax, their training camp deals. Those guys are there to be camp bodies. Now, last year we saw a whole bunch of those guys break through and earn actual roster spots, but in general, Those guys are all waived before the start of the regular season. And then they head off to the G league. In this case, the thunder pre Rudy gay were on 18 fully guaranteed contracts um, that they had. Now, none of those contracts are, you know, crazy amounts of money. The, the, the biggest one is Shea Gilgis Alexander. Obviously he's not going anywhere. Then you had Davis Bertans, but Bertans is a good segue into how did we get here? Well, through the course of their dealings this summer, the Thunder used their cap space as they have the past couple of years to eat some contracts, but also to move up the draft board. So what they did was they ate Davis Burton's contract. They ate Victor Oladipo's contract. They ate Rudy Gay's contract. It's a little harsh to say they ate the contracts of Usman Garuba and Ty Ty Washington because those guys are on rookie scale deals and they may yet still be a part of the Thunder. Uh, but they but they brought those guys in via cap space. So now you've got this team that's sitting on 20 uh, rostered players. They've got two non-guaranteed guys, Isaiah Joe. He's not going anywhere. He's the best shooter on the team. And then you've got Aaron Wiggins, probably not going anywhere because he's you know a guy they really like and he's done a lot of things. But it, even if we take Rudy Gay out of the mix, but we're just going to turn around and replace him with Jack White, we assume is where that's going to go. That means they got to cut at least five guys to get down to the 15 players on standard contracts. Now, I'm going to say this. There's easy cuts. And and I say this meaning 
it's not easy to cut a player. It's not a great thing. It doesn't feel good. But as far as the Thunder go, when I say easy cuts, they're easy cuts in meaning guys who don't really have a future with, with this team. Like, so Victor Oladipo, they took on his $9.5 million contract to get a draft asset. So he's probably going to be waived for the start of the season. Davis Bertans, we'll see. I it, That could be a cut. You know, we'll see. And when I say cut too, they could make further trades, but we talked about it before. No one's sitting on cap space. Roster spots are starting to get a little dry, so it's going to be a little bit harder uh, to trade some of these guys out. So then that's, all right, let's take those two guys out of the mix. You're, we're still down and we got to cut three guys. And now we're making hard cuts. These are guys the team likes, guys who are on longer-term deals, guys the team has invested either a draft pick in or something like that. Here's where I'll tip into maybe a slight bit of criticism, but it's not really a criticism. It's just more a fact. When you have a million draft picks, it sounds awesome until you're put in a spot where you got to start using them because you didn't trade them. You, you couldn't move them, you, whatever reason. Then what happens is those turn into uh, hard decisions on, wow, you know, we really like our guys and, it sounds weird to say this, but the Thunder have put themselves in this tricky spot because they've drafted so well. Generally, they've drafted guys who can play or guys who have a ton of potential and those kind of things. And I get it. These may be, yeah, they're waving the guys who are their, you know, 14th and 15th guy on the roster. But that doesn't mean that they're bad players. It just means they they don't have room uh, for those guys moving forward. So, somebody's going to get some good players out of this. You know, we'll see, you know, how it all comes together. Maybe Trey Mann, you know, could be somebody who, who ends up going. There's a real guard crunch there. Maybe Ty Ty Washington doesn't stick. You know, maybe Usman Garuba doesn't stick. Then those guys end up getting moved on from, uh, but we're going to see, you know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl player who really looked pretty good a couple years ago as a rookie. He hasn't looked as good. Uh, didn't look as good in his second year, had some injuries, but that's a guy who looks like he can play. You know, we'll see what happens with him. But this is a it's spot to watch as, you know, as much as we're all watching the Damian Lillard and James Harden blockbuster trades that will come at some point where now, you know, let's look, you know, a little bit further down into a different uh, interesting spot with the Oklahoma City Thunder and see, yeah, what is going to happen, you know, with this roster? Because we're going to see some guys pop free that other teams are going to be all over saying, hey, I want to get that guy. Let's take a chance. Yeah, this team is fascinating, and you wrote about them about a year and a half ago, I think, uh, about mm-hmm. their roster. And as a one of the things I, I love about your work ethic is you are a true historian of the game. And I, I'm hoping that you are documenting this Oklahoma City Thunder uh, situation as it progresses, because this in three, four years, you're going to be able to do an awesome article about what transpired with the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, if it went well or not, or you're going to remember because you remember some fascinating details that I've never even heard of. So um, also with this roster, and you made a, you made a point with the picks. At some point, they're going to have to pull the trigger with the picks. But I'm yeah. also curious to see if they start to – do a all right I'll give you this first round pick in 2024 for a first round pick and a second round pick in 2028 where they're still keeping their picks but they're just kicking the can down the road and we saw that with and the Denver have, Nuggets trade right seen, that was what they did with that Nuggets trade yeah it was right a, with the Nuggets yeah, we don't because yeah, obviously they look at it like we don't need to add another dude <laughs> to this roster. Right. But so I, yeah, so let's push. But if it you down go to if you go to a team that currently has no first round picks, yep. you know, Golden State Warriors or you know who are super high tax paying teams, the Clippers, and you go to them and say, "All right, I'll give you the first for this year, but I want your first if it yep. exists down the line." <laughs> I, you know, Phoenix Suns sort of did that of recent where they're doing, they're sending a pick swap for three second round picks. Now, you know, we're starting to see the jockeying of these picks and the Oklahoma city thunder, because their roster is so stacked right now. 
And unless they're going to acquire another massive superstar using those picks and sending some players out, they, they truly need to at least just kick the can down the road so that, all right, if, if our roster doesn't work out in, uh, in the immediate future of this year, next year, or 25, all right, we at least have those picks in, in the future because we can't use them next year. So it's exactly from that standpoint, it's going to be fascinating because of how much they have stockpiled, which is a good thing. I think I'd rather be in this predicament than having absolutely nothing on your, you have nothing on your roster that you really like and no picks for it, which we've seen with teams before. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather be in the Oklahoma city front office saying, Oh my gosh, we've got the, the biggest treasure trove of players and draft assets and potentially, you know, overseas uh, undrafted draft picks that, you know, could hit. I know they don't have them now that they're so far back right now, but you know what I'm saying? They have just so much right now in their treasure trove that they can essentially write their own future. Yeah. I would much a hundred times out of a hundred, I would rather be in a spot where I have to cut a couple guys. I kind of like, then, man, I'm filling out the roster with a bunch of dudes that are like, Ugh, they're not really NBA-level guys, and we're just going to keep trying. You know, I, I go back to, you know, and it worked out fine for them because they hit. Uh, they did the diamond mining process better than anybody. But the Brooklyn Nets, post-Celtics trade, it all fell apart on them. They didn't have their picks, and they their roster was awful. And it was like, or what are we going to do? Now, Sean Marks and staff got to work. They Hey, we think Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris, we think those guys can play and they've just been in weird spots and, and they were right. And they found some other guys and they just kind of kept things churning there as they, they, you know, unearthed these players that could play and they ended up in a pretty good spot. And with the Thunder, you know, there was kind of branded as they're doing what the 76ers did, you know, it's process 2.0. And to some extent that's true, except, you know, they, they, I think hit, earlier on guys and have become a really good team. And I, I think, I think they're going to compete for a top six spot this I do too. season. I, I, yeah, I, I, I actually do. I, if yeah. I can, you know, take the over on the wins, I was looking at their yep. wins. I think they have a fan duel had them at 43 and a half. I would take over on the wins. Yep. I, I, I jokingly said to uh, someone, you know, take them to win the West because it could be that they hit lightning in a bottle. And, you know, we always talk about teams. Oh, they're striking rich one year too early. The Pelicans, the, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Sacramento Kings. You know, we've seen it. This may be that team that comes out blazing and, you know, they're at the top of the standings and everyone's like, what just happened? We didn't expect to see this. But with getting Chet Holmgren back, that's like yep. getting your uh, another first a round pick, pick. Yeah. a bonus pick. Yep. You know, they, they brought in uh, using cap space with um, – uh, Mitchich, if I said that correctly, yeah, Mitchich, yeah, yep. uh, yep. But you're right. This this roster, I really like this roster, and this is a team that could be sneaky good. And then all of a sudden, everyone's scratching their head, like, where where did this come from? Uh, Absolutely. So- and then, pending how they you know pare this roster down, they're going to be sitting on the ability come trade deadline, or maybe it's next summer if they feel like all right, now it's time. They're going to be sitting there ready for whatever star becomes available to come in with the, hey, and I'm not saying it's Damon Lillard or James Harden because, of one, they're both guards, and this team has way too many guards as it is already. But whoever it becomes you know, in the next year, I, I'm going to put a kind of a year window on it, they're going to be able to say, oh, you want draft picks and young players? Great, let's go. We can load you up with both and still have enough in reserve to bring that player in and we're not like emptying the clip to get this one guy. And now all of a sudden we're in a spot where it is, well, that's it. Now we've got this guy and the handful of guys left and that's our roster. This is not a a Phoenix suns type situation where it's, we traded everything and now we've got to rebuild with minimums. They're going to be still sitting on, you know, a whole bunch of good players and everything else, probably even still some draft picks. I think, what are they up to? Like, it's like something ridiculous, like 35 or 37 draft picks over the next five yeah, but because, years or But because whatever. they owe that many, they, they own that many draft picks, they've yep. handcuffed half the league. So they exactly. can go back to, like I said earlier, yep. they can go back to those teams that have no picks or only yep. one, especially Maybe. if they have zero first round picks and say, hey, we'll, we'll float 
this pick, yep. you know, even if it's a pick swap, we'll trade you this pick swap. It's yours now in for X player and increase their roster even more. They are really in a fascinating situation. The last yeah, thing I'll it say really is the last thing I'll say with this is this goes to show, and you made a, a point of this yesterday. This league is deep. The fact mm-hmm. that the Oklahoma City Thunder have this many players, uh, they've, they've maxed out the number of players on their roster with all these guaranteed salaries that they feel can play shows that this is a deep league and ex- like expansion. It's coming, and it's good because then these guys that are necessarily going to be cut, they could be on those other two teams or three or four if we, like you said, you wouldn't be surprised if this league ends up going to 34 but, you know, there yeah, are th- players that I can play. I don't think they're going to, but, yeah, but there, there's enough talent to pull that off now. And and there wasn't previously, right? There, there was no they, – they, they were in a spot, let's say, a decade ago where it was like – Oh, yeah, they were grasping at straws to try to find anyone off the street that could – Exactly. I mean, they were doing uh, 10-day contracts with players yep. that had, hadn't even been playing in the league for a couple years. So yep. I, I'm, I'm glad we're at a point where we are and – um it, it, this is going to be fascinating to see, and I hope you as a journalist are documenting all of the <laughs> transactions that this team oh, is yeah. doing. Yep. Uh, yeah, and the great great thing is now uh, there's you know any, any number of tools, including all, all of our own on SpotTrack. Yes, where absolutely. It's you know, far easier to do these things than it was previous. There was a, you know, it was always one of those things where it's like, boy, it's, you know, all right, now I'm going to have to do some real digging to find this stuff. Now it's like, oh, it's like four clicks away. There we go. I got what I needed. But yeah, it's definitely something I'm going to be tracking this year and going forward. And and you're absolutely right. There's going to be an article coming at some point of, you know, boy, where, where are the thunder at? Kind of almost a follow up on, you know, what did they do? But yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm super enthused. I'm excited. It was a fun, you know, off season with still more to come because we've got those couple of stars uh, hanging out there that are going to get traded at some point. But it's, uh, you know, it's it, it's been you know, a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the season starting already. You know, we're about three months out from that coming. Thankfully, we've got the World Cup, uh, yes. both the Women's Soccer World Cup and then the uh, FIBA Basketball World Cup to to hold us over until then. But yeah, we got a, get a lot of a lot of good stuff uh, coming down the line, and I can't wait to get into all of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to f- do your what's next. I mean, you got, you're finishing off your off-season recap, so those will be coming here. And then your next is vacation next week, so enjoy <laughs> yep. that vacation. Unplug, enjoy the time with your family, and uh, hopefully not too much goes on while you're gone so you don't have to do too much catching up when you return. <laughs> That's the but hope, it, at least. It, yep. But enjoy that vacation. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, if you're looking to follow him, at Keith Smith NBA, uh, ask many questions you need to cap, cash, tax, Oklahoma City roster. Um, for Keith Smith, I am Scott Allen. Thanks for listening to the NBA Next podcast.